0: listening to the tennis.com podcast and here's your host Ed McGrogan. Hello friends. <laughs> Ed McGrogan and Steve Tigner here with you at historic tennis.com headquarters. Where today we partake in a tradition unlike any other. The injuries. And uh Thank you uh, to YouTube for that wonderful clip of the Masters, and uh, thinking about that time now, we're at five degrees, give or take a few degrees, and uh, more to the point, the injuries. Um, Steve, this is a pretty, this is, I don't even want to say it's actually a particularly bad year, because I have some just general sort of thoughts and issues, and really just kind of kind of disgust at the embarrassment of all this that it just gives a sport because I think to me we see these we just see this every year and it doesn't it doesn't really change um, based on the short off seasons and players also being cautious I think overly cautious to make sure they don't injure themselves or take themselves out of the Australian Open which doesn't start too far away but you know overall what you know, what did this news of, I mean, you can run down the names for us, of all the various withdrawals and retirements and ailments. Um, it's just not a pretty first week for uh, for tennis.
1: Yeah, well, we started out thinking it was going to be a big week because so many players are there, and then, you know, they start to drop like flies. First, you have Serena, who really wasn't playing a real tournament, but is in an exhibition. But I guess that's, you know, she she has a knee problem and had to, had to retire from a match, and that's a, that's a knee issue that goes way back, um, and is always you know sort of cropping back up. It did last year as well, uh, so that's sort of news for the you know for the future. Is she going to be okay for the Australian Open? She's been injured at the Australian Open a few times recently. She lost to Sloane Stephens when she had an ankle problem. She lost to Ivanovich when she had a back problem, and. Um, you know, now there's this. So that's something to to look for. Yeah,
0: and we and you know, last year with Serena we did, you know, see her overcome I you know, not being in a hundred percent a few times and I and I think a lot of us, you know, obviously look ahead to, to kind of see where the you know what kind of follow up she gives to last year and a lot of it is I think based on motivation and a lot of it is based on just you know, can she keep up her abilities? But I, but you wonder perhaps if, if maybe the the um, injury toll that she really has had to manage and has never really escaped, even even during her, you know, these really recent dominant years, which which is a, I think makes them even more impressive. She's always really had to deal with these sort of nagging problems.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so, You know, sometimes she she um, makes it through. But in Australia, you know, I think the She's she's struggled maybe a, a little more than in the past. You don't know whether she comes in not quite ready after the off season or whether this she, there's trained too much. You know you don't. It's hard to say what that is, but it is a tricky tricky time for her. But now we also have, as you said, Simona Halep um, and Maria Sharapova both pulled out of Brisbane without playing a point. Halep has has an Achilles problem. Maria has a forearm problem. Both of those. Are also seem to be chronic, and they both seem a little, you know, ominous for the Australian Open. I think each of them is being being cautious by by pulling out. But those those are ones that have that have come back before. Halep says she she had trouble running at all. She has had an Achilles problem for a, for a while.
0: Yeah, and we actually avoided seeing a Halep Azarenka uh, match because of that um, that withdrawal from Halep there. Um, you know it was a it was a a nice point you made that the the beat goes on for for vika in terms of getting uh, these difficult draws but she she will manage to elude Halup at least for now uh as as it goes toward Australia
1: yeah but that you know it didn't sound that great for help We'll see we'll see how serious it is, but she said she was struggling to run maybe she's just being cautious again but but you know the Australian Open's coming up fast we also had Venus Williams comes in this week with. Seem you know, we had high hopes for her this year. seemed like a big year. She was up to number seven. Now suddenly she's down to number 10. She lost in the first round in Auckland. Kvitova had to retire from her first round. She was second seed in China. And Ivanovic, also second seed, lost in the first round. So you sort of have this, you know, it's, it is pretty typical, like you say, before a Grand Slam to have a lot of these withdrawals or, or early losses or people sort of, you know... Looking ahead, I guess. You um, know, it is unfortunate for the for the tour. That the first day of the season, you think it's going to be a great first week. The second day, you know, nobody's playing again. So
0: yeah, this is actually a um, you know. I know I was uh, didn't hold back on my thoughts of where I think this is you know in terms of an optics perspective. I think this is, I think this is a yet kind of another example of tennis really not getting out of its own way using really deferring to common sense and a couple things of the schedule. But, but one thing I, you know, that you um, mentioned there about the, the first day is that I think this is actually a point that uh, this is something that, that tennis can't or doesn't take advantage of very well is that um, other sports, I think you have that opening day and, um, and it's a very big event. It, it's well known when it is it, every, you know, I think everybody is, You know, you come in with that clean slate, Um, really it's sort of uh, possibilities are endless for until the first whistle or first face-off or first pitch is thrown. And maybe that's just something that deals with team sports and you can't replicate it in an individual sport. Uh, But I I do feel that that tennis, you know, suffers from that, especially, um, you know, right now when, you know it's, it's tough going against, you know, obviously the other major sports, but I don't think the sport does itself any favors when you are, um, you know, when you're really unable to capitalize on what should be, you know, what should be a, a sort of a, a benchmark time for, for really any sport. And, you know, that's the nature of things, you know, there's there's not one place where players are congregating. There's six tournaments. You know, the time zones clearly different. I understand all that, but it's it is one other thing that I think challenges tennis. Uh, you know, which gets which you know always gets better as the year goes on in terms of prestige and exposure. Uh, but you know, this is it, it. Just the beginning of the year always tends to um, leave a little bit of a sour taste. But the Aussie Open does you know kind of wipe away those early wounds too.
1: Yeah, I guess that's the thing to look for: is everybody going to be okay for the Australian Open? If you have Serena, Maria, and Simona, if they're if it's you know continues with them, then that's bad news. Um, otherwise, you're right. By the time they start in Melbourne, this will be forgotten.
0: It's true. Yeah, and you know, you know, when we think about the Australian Open, I, I do. You know, that has not traditionally disappointed either over the past really. Ten years since since the tournament has, you know, become such a bigger event. Really, I mean, I wonder if you know, it doesn't. It's not like the previous generation of players wasn't affected by it, but the Australian Open overall has, I has, I think, become um, in many ways just a better tournament over such a you know over a long period of time, um, and I think uh, I think it's a you know it's become such a significant event, of course, for a reason. I mean, and I, I think that's, you know, a big part of, of this, of of what's going on here. Um, and, you know, like you said, though, we, you know, or like both of us kind of allude to, it was a big, it is a big schedule this week um, across Asia, across Australia. Um, you know, we've obviously talked about the attrition on the women's side, some of the, the some of the players that are already not playing this week. But, you know, for the men, I, um, you're seeing pretty much everybody as well. Um, Djokovic, Nadal, Federer. Uh, at the moment, they are not injured, and, but um, but you know we're seeing we are seeing I will say a lot of players entered in tournaments, and you know we're getting our first looks at uh, at these guys. Some of whom have tr- some of whom in the past have actually not started their year until the Australian Open. They kind of wanted to get it going a little quicker this time.
1: Yeah, you know, you, I, I, every year it seems like there's more people in in action over the first week. It's pretty much on both sides. Pretty much the entire top ten, um, which definitely didn't used to be the case. Now you have you have Djokovic, Federer, Nadal, uh, Wawrinka. You know, all they're all playing tournaments. Um, Djokovic has already started things smoothly. Won his first round. He looks he looks good again. Um, this tournament is one he, he hasn't won or he didn't win last year, so I guess there's some little bit of motivation, extra motivation there if he needs it. Um, I guess Federer, of course, will be an interesting case. He plays, he won Brisbane last year, and then didn't do so well at the Australian Open. Um, now he comes in, we'll see him with his with his new coach uh, Lubacic. He's in the same draw with Kane and so you know that's there's another another person who's. We're looking forward to seeing what what he does this year. Um, of course, there's also Nadal. Uh, he's you know he's started in Doha as well, and we'll see if he can do anything. Starting out, he he start last year. He lost in the first round, and that was looking back. That was an ominous sign for him throughout the year. So as the you know as the year went, it was sort of a he, he lost you know to somebody not in the top 50 last year. So see if he can get off to a better start.
0: Yeah, and um, you know, as I as I say this, um, you know, we you mentioned Djokovic yesterday beats Dustin Brown about fifty one minutes. It really just um, you wouldn't have even known it's a different it's a different season for Djokovic with with that kind of start. Um, you know, it's um, and and as you say, looking back on, on the prior year, you know, I think that was interesting um, to note that you know. What Nadal did at the start of last year really was, you know, in retrospect, uh, really a portent of of what was to come uh, for him. Of course, Djokovic, he, uh, you know, he lost he lost his opening match and lost about five others for the rest of the year. So, um, you know, the opening week, I think, overall, one of those where um, I think everybody's still trying to get their feet wet for a little bit. and uh, and really, of course, gearing up you know, toward the Aussie. Was there anything you saw, you know, in that Djokovic match in particular that you know I can't imagine if there's really anything new to add. But but you know, it did. I have to say, for uh, for coming out of the gates against a guy who uh, has beaten, who just recently beat Rafa at Wimbledon, as and has known has been known to give players trouble to just crush him in, 44, in 51 minutes, you know, just, you know, another feather in his cap there.
1: Yeah, no trouble. I don't know, you know, it's hard to say what, what more Djokovic can do. He's got a new, he's working with a new trainer, at least part-time. Um, everything looks pretty much in order. I don't know when we're going to see another, you know, a problem for him. It's going to happen at some point. He's going to lose a match or, or at least get frustrated. You know, it seems like you hardly see that. Uh, these days, so no, there was you know nothing, nothing different to report um, as far as he goes. So I think he's like the, he's pretty much the safest guy among the among the top guys these days.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I wanted to actually mention a uh, since we've talked a lot about tournaments here already. Uh, one thing that we that we didn't get to in the last podcast, even though I think this this news could have come out uh, a little bit after that was. Uh, there was a report through the wire talking about the Miami Open. Uh, long time, you know, f- for a long time, I think most people gave that the the fifth Slam mantle. Um, I think that's certainly been uh, given away. You know, kind of took uh, took Route 66 and went over to Indian Wells, California. A lot of people would say now, uh, but the the uh, some of the proclamations. You know, these reports came from an, an attorney that uh, was looking at the event and really the issues that it's had for the past couple of years and trying to um, allow the tournament to, to um, make renovations, make possibly, you know, much needed renovations to really keep this event um, you know, going, keep up with the, the Joneses, the other Masters events that have continued to really become mini slams in their own ways. Um, and, you know, we've heard for a while that, uh, you know, if, if things, you know, were not, uh, you know, weren't changed to the tournament's favor, that that the event could move. And that was really the crux of what this piece was about, that it was only a matter of time before, or it is only a matter of time before, um, the Miami open, Miami open could, uh, relocate, uh, you know, that can go a number of different directions, but, Um, You know, I asked you about this because, you know, I'm kind of curious because you actually be going there a little bit this year, and I certainly want to hear kind of what the scene is down there at that time in late March. But, you know, I think, you know, one thing to say about this is that it's really continued this, uh, you know, whatever – Local issues are in effect. It's continuing this kind of uh, tournaments really going away from the U.S. Um, and uh, you know it would be a, certainly a blow to lose an event like this with you know a lot of history and clearly a, a great fields that go to it.
1: Yeah, I guess the question is whether they be allowed to expand in Crandon Park. That they they won in a referendum, but you know, but there are special rules as far as who donated that park and what say they have in it. And and they, people who are who are part of that family, don't want the park changed at all and whether that can be, whether that can be, whether they can sort of override their wishes. Um, and so far they haven't been able to. And if they can't, you know, the, the they feel, the, the tournament feels that unless they can expand, they can't really compete with Indian Wells, which has sort of an endless amount of land and money um, to, you know, to, to move into... I think the main thing with, with the facility at Crandon Park and, is that it's old and hasn't been redone, hasn't been updated for a long time. It really, you know, it, it sort of it does pale in comparison to, to Indian Wells at this point. I mean,
0: when is there, the, when's the last time you've been um, down to Miami, actually? Because I know, cause you've been to Indian Wells for many of the past few years.
1: Yeah, last time I was there was in like '09. Yeah, uh, D-
0: did it ever give off that vibe at that point, or has this been I mean, more it of a recent? It
1: still seemed like a, you know, it still seemed. I think at that point, it was still kind of the premier event. I think Indian Wells was struggling. There was a lot of talk at that point of moving Indian Wells, Indian Wells leaving the country um, before Larry Ellison got involved. So that things have flipped in that way. I, you know, Miami. They've talked about moving it. Maybe, you know, there's been some talking about moving it to Orlando, where the USTA has a huge new facility. They could you know it could go to places like Shanghai or the Middle East um, but Miami really does have a special sort of which a special sort of atmosphere especially when you compare it to Indian Wells which is Southern California um, Palm Springs an older audience Miami has a you know has them has a, has a sort of Latin feel um, more energy there in Miami. you know it's closer to a city much closer to a big city and it has that feel um, it's a sort of a unique tennis Atmosphere, I think, in, in it would definitely be would be missed, especially if it went to Orlando or, or anywhere else. You know, it's whatever they can do to try to keep it there, um, and whether they can just, when they can somehow update it without without having to expand, and whether that's enough, I guess that's the question. Um,
0: it sounds very similar to what really Roland Garros has been dealing with too. Um, yeah. that's a that's a story that. Uh, for many years, or for the past couple of years, there's been threats of uh, moving that around to different areas of Paris or, uh, you know, even probably sacrilegiously going to, you know, outside of, of France altogether. And it seems like a very similar situation, actually.
1: Yeah, it's a problem. It's in a, you know, it's both were built at a different time in big city parks, parks near big cities. I guess Indian Wells has the advantage of it's just in the desert. It's its own place. It's its own location. Um so we'll see what happens there but but moving at Miami would moving it out of miami would really be something lost there because it was the first really the first big masters event you know thirty years ago it was the it would sort of pioneered that concept of the of the second level tennis tournament um, yes
0: yeah and uh you know you've probably heard of it over many different names the Lipton the nasdaq one hundred uh you, you kind of can go on and on the sony open um but they you know they they're all they have all been there and uh, like i said it uh it would be a pretty big pretty big uh change in the calendar for sure depending on what happens there. So we'll uh, we'll keep an eye on that. See if anything else develops. We'll probably hear much more about it as the um you know as the tours you know creep toward March and those events there. Uh but you know we will uh we will keep an eye on what what remains for this week. Um on tour, of course. When we get back, we'll be doing be doing the podcast um, each Tuesday. We'll be recording them. Uh, we'll get them up as soon as humanly possible, and uh, so you can look forward to that tradition this year as well. Um, lots on the site for um, You know, going into twenty sixteen. Please check that out as always. Uh, so for Steve Tigner, this is Ed McGrogan, Tennis.com podcast. You've been enjoying the Tennis.com podcast. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com.